Hey, Heather. Hey, Kelly. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We're back. <laughs> I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Daily jazz advice coming at you. Coming at you. It's good to be back. It's good to reassert ourselves. It was nice to have uh, have our better halves here. We did. It was the, the better halves made up a hole that we've <laughs> never been able to quite do, but that was fun. They, 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 they Big shout out to Kelly Martin and Heather Manis for ably sitting in for us and just so folks know right they better than us i mean we we, let's not push it they were pretty good no edits no edits we we usually mess up a lot more than what they did they came in we were we were we weren't sure what what to expect yeah um they they threw a few curveballs but they were funny they were poignant at times they talked about their kids a lot i noticed (laughs) which was cool uh but they're amazing uh mothers and and women and it was so cool to have them in here absolutely yep uh, well today's episode of the you'll hear podcast is of course sponsored by the oxford american uh go to oxfordamerican.org yhi for some great deals you can get a full year subscription for 25 dollars. there's so many great articles about music music that has to do with exactly what we talk about on this podcast every day so please go check them out the oxford american that's oxfordamerican.org yhi yeah that's right uh, so today we have a speak pipe we have a speak pipe. Now, we've been loving the speak pipes. We had almost enough for a full week, but not I quite. Know. So We're please, everybody, keep sending us. You know what? Don't get dark on them, though, because well, they're, they're doing good. Now, we got to give them encouragement. Come you on, Adam. Who hasn't <laughs> sent one? Who? Zoom from Vancouver. Well, I know. because He would have put us over the edge. I know, but we but we said we love... Whoa. Hello. Pissed. See? You are. That's what I'm saying. Don't go dark on me. Right. Where's Heather? She was so uplifting. <laughs> I mean. No, so it's just... Um, I think Zoom was kind of like he took it a little bit to back off and give other folks a chance to shine, which cool. they did. Cool. He's always welcome because his questions are good. Well, here's one from Blake. Hey, guys. What's up? I just thought of an idea that might be uh, cool to talk about on the podcast. So I was reading a Herbie interview the other day, and he was saying that um, when he was younger, he checked out a lot of Maurice Ravel, the uh, classical composer. And I know um, a lot of that or some of that music that he checked out has probably seeped into his jazz playing. And I know a chick, Chick Corea, checked out a lot of uh, Scarlatti, Scriabin, um, I think Debussy too as well. Um, so I was just wondering, have you guys checked out a lot of um, classical composers? And if so, has that seeped in to your jazz playing? And, uh, you know, I just thought it would be a cool thing to hear you guys kind of elaborate on. Um, hope that hope that helps. All right, thanks. Thank you, Blake, for the question. That's a great question. We've talked a little bit about our classical influences, but let's go full on in. Yes, let's on this let's episode. do a deep dive. I know both a twelve of us, minute deep dive. <laughs> both of us started playing classical music. That's right, right. Um, when we were children. Yeah, and I still love it, and I try to see as much live music as I can of all genres. But classical music is something that to me is just very special. Seen live, it's great. I love it because it's kind of like. Um, I mean, I love the sound of it. I love the whole thing. But it's also fun to like, it's a sort of an antidote in some ways to jazz in that, I mean, jazz, we are going to hear part of which we're expecting. Like if you go to see a jazz quartet, 
saxophone, piano, bass, and drum. You kind of know what, and, and then they start a tune that you sort of know, you know part of it, but then there's this whole unexpected section. Whereas a classical concert, it's like everything's kind of expected, but the way that it unfolds and the energy of the day and everything, the notes are there. Mm -hmm. They're basically written so that improvisation element isn't there. But I love that. And, you know what's cool about from a jazz musician's perspective, studying a little classical music is is doing some score study. Yeah. Because we, often, not everything that we listen to, of course, we transcribe. Who's got the time for that? Ain't no one has the time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. And so what's cool about classical music is you have sites like imslp.org yeah. where you can check out some of the scores of the great works of classical music. Or and their listen, sister site, Google which, Images. Google <laughs> Images. No, it's true, actually. Yeah. You can just Google the score and you can you can read along as you're listening to the music and you could see how the composers structure everything from melodies to, to voicings, yes. counter melodies and counterpoint, uh, key changes and themes and all that stuff. And it's it's all right there on the page. It's really fascinating to uh, to check out. But, you know, um, it's had it's classical music has no doubt had such a huge influence on tons of jazz musicians. I know you have a part of your list today is sort of jazz musicians interpretation of classical music. Yeah, yeah, because we thought we wanted to. I mean, his question about specifically about Herbie and him reading the interview about Ravel, you know, Herbie was one of those pianists. I think pianists in general in jazz, I've, I've noticed, have kind of more of a classical lineage than other instruments. Well, even. yeah, I mean, it's because it's technically speaking, there's so much great pedagogy yeah. on, on yep. classical piano that it helps get your chops up it does yeah and and the technique i've always believed it to be very similar yeah. but for that that's required whereas for other instruments some other instruments it's very i mean for bass it's i mean of course way different yeah i mean the yeah. left hand stuff is great but i mean so much pizzicato instead of i mean even for things like trumpet and saxophone yeah it's so different, different sound yeah. and embouchure uh but yeah herbie like so he's somebody that that um you know he has a great uh is it possibilities his autobiography yeah yeah um he talks a lot about his early exposure to, to he had a really good classical teacher growing up and then you know of course played with the Chicago Symphony, the CSO, at it like when he was fifteen or fourteen or something, something like crazy. Yeah, yeah. And um, but he recorded. I actually heard him do this live one time in Europe. This uh, the Ravel Piano Concerto. He and he put it. It's it's such an odd place to put it, but it made so much sense musically, conceptually. It's like what <laughs> on that Gershwin record. Yeah. And Herbie's great about it, especially like the last twenty years or so of like having these theme records and then putting something on like the Joni Mitchell record had like some had like a wayne tune or yeah, something like yeah. footprints or something like yeah, that. yeah it wasn't it was um i can't remember no, I, I know yeah but, but he kind of always says so the gershwin's world record had ravel you know but yeah. it actually makes sense and conceptually i mean from a, a musical standpoint in terms of the the influence on gershwin and stuff but he, he he goes full on into interpretation like in in doing some improv and changing some things up so maybe we'll just hear a few let's seconds let's check a little bit of that out here we go played much Ravel uh yeah I played a little bit and, and more Debussy than Ravel but I yeah, love yeah I love I've listened to his La Valse I actually got to sit like in the orchestra and with Berlin Philharmonic playing that amazing Sir, Sir oh, Simon Rattle conduct that's one of the most memorable musical experiences uh Dude. but you know uh to answer your question partly with just sort of a resource if you check out um and I just wanted to find it yeah in Herbie Hancock's master class 
uh, which we don't talk about a lot, a little bit of a competitor. Open <laughs> no, they, they put out some amazing content. And Herbie Hancock has his teaches jazz. Um, uh, see, Masterclass is calling you right now to thank oh, you, it's... man. <laughs> but they are, uh, he actually has a lesson, uh, Ravel's Creative Harmonies. Do you know about that? No. Yeah, so you can, he really kind of does a little little dive into um, it's jazz players. Don't just learn from other jazz players. One of Herbie's harmonic touchstones is the French composer, Maurice Ravel. Learn how to add some of Ravel's sound to your bag of harmonic tricks. So you might want to check in on that. We'll put a link below for that. No, that's great. Well, I chose a couple of, uh, of selections here that aren't jazz musicians interpreting classical music, but some of the... Some of the pieces that have influenced me directly in the music I make, uh, and the first one is um, a Beethoven string quartet. Um, this is uh, from Opus 130 in uh, mm. B flat, uh, one of the later Beethoven string quartets. Absolutely amazingly gorgeous period in Beethoven's writing. Amazing. Uh, this is, uh, I forget what movement this is, but this is the Cavatina movement of that quartet, and oh. it knocks me off my feet every single time, and I think there's so much, you know, we last week we were talking about voice leading, there's so much voice leading in this that has influenced what I want to hear in my own voice leading, so mm. let's check out a little bit of that. <laughs> Every time it kills me. You know what it is? It's that, it's that bass movement, right? We talk yeah, about yeah. bass lines all the time, but listen to when the cello mimics what has just happened before them and goes into the minor harmony. Yeah. Wow. Every time. Yeah. I lose it. And that's what I was talking about before. Like the class, I'm like, we know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. But it's almost like this cool little, it's like you've been to, going to a restaurant and you're ordering. So sometimes it's fun to order something you don't know. Yeah. Sometimes it's fun to get, get, get an old classic that you like and you can't wait till you get to that third course or whatever. But even when you know it's going to happen. Yeah. I'm making, a, I'm making myself some way fancier than I, I don't, we don't actually go to restaurants <laughs> with three courses. No. But I've seen it in movies before. Shout out on Netflix. to our buddy Sean Weil for uh, hipping me to that to that track because yeah uh, and it's the Guarneri quartet that mm. performs it which is one of the best string quartets in the world Good. i'm gonna go on with my second one because you have some others after this but another one that has influenced my jazz playing and writing especially is um philip glass and this is actually from uh what is this the new world uh saxophone mm. quartet and they're playing one of philip glass's string quartet string quartet number three mishima check out the sound One of one of Glass's more more famous yeah. pieces for sure, 
But there was something about this when I heard this done by the saxophone quartet that completely opened me up to him in a yeah, way yeah. that wasn't before. And I don't know why that sound hit me so hard. I think it's, I mean, you know, he's like the king of the eighth notes. And I think yeah. the precision which the valves can open up that rhythmic eighth note pulse. And man, they're nailing that intonation on that. <sighs> that's so good. I mean, that's definitely, I mean, it's got that Baroque um, influence to the to the lines, but there's some some real Ravel, talking about Ravel yeah. it's on my mind Ravel, Ravel to the way he orchestrated those saxophones like with the movement of below yep. together you know that's some real so that's meta well, and right then the there. real modern sense of rhythm yep. you know the the, my, the minor major seven layering rhythms over each other yeah and, yeah that's cool I'm gonna check that out well maybe I'll just choose one more because um is that cool yeah sure okay I mean, whatever okay. you look so disappointed man we got other stuff to do today, man. All right, all right, we're, we're not just a podcast machine up in here. No, There's always cool. tomorrow. Still nervous about the ladies upstaging us no, the last couple of days. Will. That was that was rough. All right, you got one more. Okay, so this is, um, you know, going along with this theme. All right, I'm gonna do two more. How about that? Okay, <laughs> this one is uh, my friend Cyrus Chestnut, our friend, yeah, um, from Baltimore, um, Maryland area. Amazing pianist. He's always had some like things I've seen him do live over the years. Kind of fun. Uh, takes on I mean look when you try to jazz up classical that's a slippery slope as in you immediately slide down into a corny area playing some Claude Bowling before you know it (laughs) whoa whoa shady shady on Claude no but uh, right but this I love like uh, the way he does we're gonna listen to two things okay and this is how great I think Cyrus Justin is we're gonna listen to Cyrus Justin and then well you'll hear the next one what we do after this but this is his take on Debussy's Gollywog's Cakewalk and this is a song that I played as a kid growing up mm. and I always thought it was like kind of jazz I didn't really know what jazz I was like wow this is jazz because it was definitely an influence of uh, American music on uh, uh, Debussy let's hear it Chestnut can make just about anything swing hard, right? And the thing is, yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, I think he really hit on something like the ones, sometimes he'll take something that's just, like this is already kind of swing because it's based on ragtime. Yeah, sure. There was a ragtime influence on it. The bada, 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 yeah. Yeah, so there's some syncopation, but he really puts it, places it in a way, but then doesn't change the melody, really. It's it's super cool, but in the arrangement and the rhythmic interpretation of the drums and stuff, it's a lot of fun. Cool. I have one from, uh, this is from a composer who I think is like a year younger than I am. His name's... Caleb Burhans, he's a mm. uh, very talented violist, violinist, and composer. Uh, he's with Alarm Will Sound, right. who plays here in St. Louis quite yeah. a bit, uh, New York-based uh, chamber music ensemble. This is from his record, Even Song, and this is his Magnificat. This is like, uh, to me, some of my favorite new music uh, Caleb makes, and I hope to hear a lot more from him soon. But this is uh, his organ and choral work, Magnificat. And I'm gonna kind of punch it in here.
So some of the most exciting things about classical music from classical music, orchestral music from, you know, the last half of the 20th century and this early part of the 21st century is is the the way in which extended techniques have really been uh, fleshed out, exhausted to the point where now, like, there are ways of getting techniques that I think were not possible before that are so detailed. And I think musicians from all genres are borrowing those kind of things. And so the first time I heard this track and I heard the sliding between the voices, I knew that was something that I wanted to uh, borrow. (laughs) (laughs) You'll hear it. But but you know how you, when you (laughs) hear future Adam Manis composition, when you (laughs) future, when you hear, when you hear sounds that you just know, like that resonates with me so strongly and that idea of, uh, you know, creates an emotion I haven't really heard before that much. And this was one of those moments for me. Absolutely. Well, and I think, I mean, look, this art and music, nobody owns it. No. And it's, it's all there for the, and that's what I think is so great. And, um, you know, about this, now I'm forgetting who, who asked the question. What was the original question? (laughs) (laughs) Blake asked. Oh yeah, Blake. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's right. About Herbie. So that's why, okay. So Herbie and Ravel, that was sort of our whole, this wonderful journey down classical influence on jazz. I think what you see is I mean Herbie just takes the composition and then adds his flavor to it. So he's gone full circle with the influence and then made it his own and then is bold enough but musical enough to just take those notes and improvise and mold it to his liking in mm. in a way that's super interesting and edifying, I think. All right, last one. What do you got? So this is kind of my original uh you know, impetus to really want to play jazz piano because it was one of my dad's favorite records. Piano starts here. I've talked yeah. about it before Art Tatum. But he plays the song, Humoresque, uh, this composition by Dvorak mm. that I had actually been, I had learned years before on the violin and the piano, the original version from the Suzuki method. And so then I heard Arteta. I was like, wait, isn't that the same song? I'm like, dang, you can do that in jazz and just make some stuff up. And that started me down the slippery slope, the rabbit hole of trying to play like uh, Arteta. TBD, uh, date on that one. <laughs> so this is Arteta, piano starts here, Humoresque. Very. Yeah. What's the scale? One to ten? Eleven. Eleven. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that's great. That's good, awesome. good stuff. Well, please let us know your favorite classical pieces, either interpreted by jazz musicians or yes. pieces that have influenced your playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we want to hear from you. Check out our playlist. We're going to include a link below. That's right. And uh, we got anything else? Well, no, but we, we're going to get back on the ultimate band bandwagon at the ultimate. end. Remember? Our oh, ultimate. our ultimate one? Yeah. Oh. Did we have any did anything else still on there? Yeah, I have an ultimate one. All right. Here, how about a little... Uh, um, Palestrina. Oh, 
Can I get a what, what, Palestrina? A kitty, kitty. <laughs> You'll hear it.